everyone, this is Josh back with Cardboard Chronicles, making my return today, and I'm really excited to do an in-person interview today with Michael. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So Michael is in the area for the holidays, and we thought, why don't we just do this in person? So he was kind enough to drive over to my house, and uh, so it's the first time you're seeing an interview with someone else in person in my house, in my famous office. So excited to have you, man. Thanks, man. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me, uh, especially in your wonderful abode. Yep. Uh, beautiful home, and uh, congratulations on your recent purchases and your <laughs> consolidation, and a belated Merry Merry Christmas. Thank you, sir. All right, so why don't you start off, tell us a little about yourself and your background and hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have been collecting for a long time, just like all of us. Uh, in the 90s, I started, obviously. Uh, I was 10 years old, living around here. Uh, I had a card shop right down the street in Mesa called Hot Corner, and I used to go in there all the time as a kid. The way I got into it, though, was because um, my buddies collected, and uh, they were kind of they were in like a cooler circle than the one that I was probably mostly in in elementary school and stuff. And uh, one of my buddies collected Allen Iverson. One of my buddies collected Kobe Bryant. One of my buddies collected Stefan Marbury, mm. and I wasn't allowed to collect any of them <laughs> because they kind of like, you know, had dibs on them. Right. So I was late to the party, and uh, the next crop of rookies came out the next year, and it was 1997, and that was the draft with Tim Duncan. And, uh, well, Tim Duncan was a spur, so I wasn't going to collect him for that right. reason. But also, uh, he's got a boring game. Yep. And, I mean, like, you know, he's... You see him and you know he's supposed to be a Hall of Famer. I like somebody that, you know, was like kind of, you know, iffy. And then at, at the same time, I loved dinosaurs when I was 10 years old still because of Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I saw, I looked at the kids in the draft and I saw a Toronto Raptors jersey. And I said, Velociraptors, that's my guy. And he's got a lazy eye. I yeah. think that's really cool. <laughs> Trace him, Grady. And he's pretty flashy. And he's flashy, and he was a high school kid, yep. which when it was still very taboo to take a high school kid. Yep. So it went, you know, Moses Malone was the first ever, then Jermaine O'Neal and Kobe Bryant yep. in 96, and then uh, 97, oh, Kevin Garnett in 95, right. and then uh, Tracy McGrady in 97. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the floodgates got open, and then by the year 2001, the top three picks were high schoolers. Um, so then why don't you jump into kind of your, your follow-up to that one? What got you more serious about cards? Did you take a break and then come back like most people? I've taken a break and come back just like most people, yeah. many breaks. Um, yeah. So let's see. So I, I started big in 97, went all the way through to like 2001, fell out of it because I started hitting high school. Mm -hmm. So I started getting more into sports and more into girls and stuff. And then LeBron James's rookie year came in 2003. So I was a junior in high school, and I immediately went back to my card shop and started buying packs. But it was kind of at the tail end of, of the year of hobby. So I bought like some SP Authentic packs, and uh, I pulled a uh, level one rookie auto. Oh, nice. Of Darko Milicic. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, this sucks. But, Did it you suck know, even back then? Him? I got I sold it for like eighty bucks. So yeah, you made, so I mean I made my money off yeah. the packs, but it's like when you think that you could have hit right. Chris Bosch, Kamaro Anthony, Dwayne Wade, or LeBron James, I got yeah. It was it was like a slap in the face basically. <laughs> um, and then I got back, and then I went hard until like two thousand eight, and then I kind of fell back out of it a little bit more. Uh, came back. No, I mean I was still in it. Two thousand. I, I I've yeah. Anyway, so it's I, like I've a, been a girlfriend kind of on and off thing. Yes, yes, but a very good girlfriend, <laughs> very good girlfriend. So, what are you collecting today? Uh, today, I still collect Tracy McGrady. I always collect Tracy McGrady, um, but I got to be much more picky because 
like a lot of us, I'm sure, uh, I've picked up so many Tracy McGrady cards that I just don't care about. Right. Like, I just wanted to have the card. Right. And now that I have the card, I'm like, I don't really care about it, and it's worth a lot of money, so um, I'll sell it and get something else. Right. So I'm very selective about my Tracy McGrady's. I'm looking for rare 90s ones. Um, there's a couple that I still don't have that are, like, kind of key parallel 90s inserts of Tracy. Um, but then, obviously, like, the Grails, like... Uh, essential, like essential credentials, future attitude yeah. would be nice, <laughs> or even a masterpiece of Ultra or Flare Showcase would be nice. And you've seen like the fake serial stamp ones of that. I've one. seen those, and honestly, I, 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 there was a fake one with two of two oh, on it. It's a real card. It's a real card. It's a backdoor copy with a fake stamp. Yeah. And honestly, like I'll buy the card. Yeah. I was trying to buy one of them, and the guy, like you know, he didn't want to. I don't know if he didn't want to sell it or or what, but I mean, I was offering fair market for a. a Technically, a counterfeit card. I mean, it's not counterfeit. I guess what would you call it? Just a fake stamp. A, a fake stamp. The backdoor. A backdoor copy. Yeah. yeah, I was offering fair market for backdoor copy, but I didn't want to sell. I don't. I don't care so much to have the one or the two, uh, the, the true ones, because I might not ever get a right. shot at one. Yeah. But I'll take the 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 backdoor one. You have the now, right? I have the now. I have a couple copies of the. This is out of like eighty. Uh, seventy nine. Seventy nine. Yeah. 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 Number two in the set. It's a little bit easier to get. So then, okay. Or so I mean, number seventy nine set though. So why don't you jump into kind of like your transition into cards more seriously recently? Yeah. Um, so I've been doing it. So I came back. So I was studying uh, Shakespeare in London last year okay. over summer. Really random. <laughs> but I was doing that and I came back and the card bug bit me really hard because I was already doing it for the last like three years, like, you know, really hard. Um, cause I moved out to LA in 2014, um, to pursue acting and I really just put all my cards in a box and kind of just like forgot about them. I sold a couple and stuff like that. Sold a couple. So I had a lot of James Harden national treasures RPAs. Like I had like three or four of them when I moved to LA in 2015 and I just kept selling them off thinking like, there's no way it's going to go over this. And sure enough, like, you know, I, I've sold them all very low, but, um, I got back into it probably like 2015, 2016, because of Devin Booker, because I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. But it was already about 16, 17 back then. And then there's this Prism stuff. And I was like, what's this? Okay, this is clearly the, the new Topps Chrome. Yep. Uh, but it wasn't you know, looked at as that, and prices were still low. And then Ben Simmons' year came out, 16, 17, uh, but he didn't play that year. Uh, but his stuff was still selling high, and it was non-odd. He didn't have a, a contract with Prism or Panini yep. to sign. So his prism stuff like was going crazy. So I think that's probably one of the indicators, or one of the things that happened in the market to why prism is what it is now, yeah. just based off of like Ben Simmons. Yeah, totally. Um, but then I started just doing it a lot, and, and I turned it into a side hustle. I was I was working in restaurants and and getting acting gigs and stuff, and and that was able to get me by. But um, playing with cards and flipping cards, buying cards, grading cards uh, was a way to like make some extra money. So it was kind of a side hustle and. It allowed me to get into a lot of cards that I really wanted, so I just kept doing that, and and that's where I'm at today. Now I'm just I'm so deep into it; it's it's crazy. So you're not doing it. you're not doing any other jobs right now. No, this is all I'm doing right now. You're not doing the restaurant, the bar stuff anymore. I'm not. No, not even like a little bit to help. I do actually. My old my old chef, um, who is incredible, he works at Neighbor LA in Venice, California. If anybody goes in, to Venice, stop by this restaurant called Neighbor LA. It's an amazing restaurant. Incredible chef. Uh, Joshua Luce, um, he still has me on board for some catering events and stuff like okay. that, which I go and work because I, I worked in a restaurant for so long that I just love it. Yeah. Like, 
Um, there's parts of it that I hate, of course, but like I say this to anybody, like, and I mostly only say to people that work in restaurants. I wish everyone worked in a restaurant. I've worked in a restaurant. I think it's I think it's such valuable. It is. Like uh, it real, it teaches you so much how to deal yeah. with people, yep. how to not have an ego. Yep. You know how to put yourself last and yep. everything. And you shouldn't always do that. You should always put yourself first. But the ability to be able to cater to other people's needs, I think, is an invaluable skill in yep. any marketplace, especially sales, totally. anything. I think, yeah, I think the world of working in a restaurant. So I like doing it, especially, you know, someone told me back in the day, like, you know, even if you don't like something, if you've done it long enough and you become good at it, you end up starting to like it, mm-hmm. which is a really weird thing. I was like, that will never happen to me in the restaurant. I hate working in a restaurant <laughs> and then you know i worked in a restaurant for 10 years and you end up loving it and now i'm thinking about someday opening up a restaurant yeah. or, or a bar i think it'd be really cool um so yeah it's, so i was the i worked at a i was a bus boy when i was really young okay it was like at? one of my uh it's like a like a, a higher-end italian place in desert ridge up north what's the name of it? it was called uh salute it's not open anymore okay and uh i think i was like 16 i thought i knew everything and that was like the most humbling night of my life because we, I was my first night. It was on a Friday night mm-hmm. at Desert Ridge, which is slammed, right? And I was just getting yelled at by managers, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, wow, I, I suck at this. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, you're literally you're taking out the trash, yep. you're picking up after people, setting up. Tables you're you're, and, you're like, yeah. it's it's you know, it's a humbling, humbling experience. Yeah. yeah. So how long did you do that? Uh, only a couple of years, just okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a great great experience yeah. for anybody. I would highly recommend it. Highly recommend it for anybody. Um. So Coleman cards, right on on Instagram. Mm-hmm. How's that going? It's going great. I mean, uh, you know, it's first and foremost just my platform to show cards off that I get and stuff like that. Um, but it's, I mean, social media for cards is is absolutely incredible yeah. as well. I mean, you look at you look at cards in general right now, like how much they're worth. I mean, there's many reasons. One reason has to be social media. Yeah, or it has to be. Yeah, the, the information. The, the ability to see cards and know that they're out there and know that you just need this amount of money to get them yeah. and that they're attainable and that you can make deals off eBay and, and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I love having uh, my Instagram and everything. Like I, you know, it's, it's like a hobby in itself just to have your, your Instagram and like be curating to the right. photos and stuff like that. So I'm always curious when I talk to people who jump into it full time, like, does it stress you out knowing that? You know, this is how you make your money now, and you have to like think about it differently. You can't necessarily like just do PC. You can't necessarily only do Team Mac. You got to start like branching right. out a little bit more. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, there's there's definitely a stress level to it, but um, I would never even be doing it if it wasn't for one of my buddies. So I was working in the restaurant, and I was telling him like, you know, how much I was, you know, making on the side hustle part of it, like that. And he's like, well, why don't you just do that full time? I was like, I can't do it. And he's like, you need to do it full time. I was like, I can't. There's no way. He's like, I know that you can based off what you're telling me. And he's like, I want you to promise me right now that you'll put your two weeks into your restaurant next week. And I was like, man, you're making a lot of sense. And he's like, make me a promise. He's one of my really good friends in LA. His name's Casey. He's a great guy. And I said, sure. And I shook his hand. And I was like, what did I just do? What did I just <laughs> now you do? Have to do it. Now I have to do it. So I put in my two weeks. I was scared so scared and then trying to walk around like but it was, it was cool though because it was like you know people were like oh you're going to another restaurant i'm like no they're like, what are you doing i'm like i'm gonna work for myself so i don't know about what <laughs> baseball cards baseball cards are like sure buddy <laughs> well just 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 let us know what restaurant it is right um but yeah it's scary i mean the first month out like you know it was a rough month but my thing is you know i i practice like 
Dave Ramsey financial principles. Like okay. I don't live off of much. Yeah. I don't need much. I'm, I'm not flashy. I have budgets on everything. So I know that I just need to make a certain amount and I can take care of myself. But yeah, it, it puts a different hurdle in there because then you have to make what you live off of and then you have to make more to be able to buy more cars and stuff yeah, like totally. that. But, um, but the biggest thing is I'm just having a blast. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing is like, I literally get to live the trial to Your schedule is like whatever you want now too, right? That's the big thing too. Yeah. It's like, I have terrible, uh, self-discipline with like scheduling <laughs> and, and having structure in my schedule yeah. and a nine to five creates that Yeah. because you, they tell you what to do, what to wear, when to be there. And, and that's it. Yeah. And you can just structure everything else around that. And you're mobile now. You can I'm go mobile on, now. You can go... I'm at my brother's place working in his office right next to him while he works his nine to five at home. Yeah. And all you need is your phone. And all I need is my phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But I'll say this. The one thing that is interesting, like you said, is it does change the collecting aspect. Yeah. From like, okay, I really like, cause maybe I would get a Trace McGrady card for my PC and now I have to think about it. Like, is that a practical thing to do yeah. based off what I'm doing? Yeah. So that's one thing that makes it tough. But at the end of the day, like, you get to just have cars that you would never have and then send them off. And, yeah. yeah. You get more cars that you own at certain points that are more fun. Maybe. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mad respect for the car though, man. No joke. Like I, I, I like the cheap car thing, like having like a dependable car that you can just like, that's own. not a cheap car. That's a, that's a, that's a ride right there, bro. Dude. I, I only took my hubcaps off cause I was coming to your neighborhood. No, I, drive an, I drive an 07, <laughs> 07 Honda Civic still. Yeah, it's great. And it probably runs like a top. Dude, it's amazing. I've yeah, change your oil. Like two hundred bucks in the last couple of years on it. Yeah. Yeah, just like change. Oh yeah, yeah. The car Tires, repair, right? battery, oil change. That's it. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I'm all about that. Yeah, Save I mean, like, money. yeah, more money for cars. Exactly. More money for cars. More money for stuff. But better. also too, like when I when I do go to buy a new car, I'll buy a nicer car. I've just had that for a while and it runs fine, and I'll probably just buy a. And a, a new version of that car. There you go. I mean, so yeah, I'm Keep not big on the like, car. Yeah, not big on the car. Respect on that. Thanks, man. Um, so we talked about how you. So how did you decide? Like when you let's say you get like a thousand bucks from some sailor or something, uh, and then let's say a big T Mac comes up. Like how do you how do you decide? What's like the what's your thought process of like do I buy this T Mac or do I need to like take half of this? Like how do you go through that? Um, well, it's got to be a T Mac on my list. So that's the number one thing is, I mean, look, in this hobby, people get lost in the trees, you know, or they get lost in the forest instead of like, they're, I mean, no, they're focusing on the tree instead of seeing through the forest. They're trying to just buy everything. They're buying everything yeah. because you're on a path, right? And, and you, you know, sometimes you know kind of what you want, mm -hmm. but unless you're extremely clear about that, there's going to be things that are pulling you off the path constantly, yeah. right? And that's anything in life. So it's, so knowing what you want in the hobby is such an important thing. So I have a list of a couple of cards that like, okay, if this card comes up, I will literally sacrifice my well-being to try and get it, right? <laughs> right. But one, but one thing about cards, like you know, is like when you really want a card, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. And usually that means selling other cards. Yeah. And not fire sailing them, finding ways to get top dollar for them yeah. fast. Yeah. Right? And even possibly other PC ones to... To swap out, right? Not, not necessarily stuff that's for your business. Hundred percent. So, like with your okay, exquisite RPA is a big one, but like, I mean, even with your, well, no, you got the Jordan PMG International. Okay, let's look at talk about the RPA because the RPA took some consolidation, of course. So, like, when did you find out that you knew in your heart you were going to buy that card? Mm, like three or four months ago, I saw it. I saw the one color that was coming up on heritage and i just saw it and was like i need to go i need to try it like i have to go make an attempt at this right and i knew that i couldn't fire sale like you said so i had to 
take the full amount of time necessary to start selling now. So I started selling like right away, like four months ago and trying to like post stuff and trying to get top dollar and not just knowing that another one was going to come down the pike. I didn't know about the golden one until later. So then when the golden one came up, I was like, okay, now I got a backup. And, uh, the Heritage one got a BGS9, and I was like, crap, that's going to go too high now. The Golden one was there. I bid on both. I lost the Heritage, and then I, I had already built up so much money selling stuff to go after the Heritage, so I was like, might as well go for the Golden one while I'm here. So how long is a Heritage auction? Well, they, the one of the representatives like flew out to the, to the seller's house. I think it was in like, like September, mm-hmm. and they picked up the card. And then they started posting it that it was going to be in their holiday listing. So it was like two months of buildup, and then the actual auction is an entire month. So it's gotcha. a, you have some time. Yes, you, you figure out that, that the card's there, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, so I mean, you, but you put yourself in a position to where you're ready for the card if it comes up again. Yeah. And, you, and fortune favored you. Right. Fortune favors the bold. Yeah. You sold a bunch of cards that like you probably had emotional attachment to. Of course. But you knew that by having those that money in the bank, that you put yourself in a position to acquire a huge card. Exactly. So, but you could really want something to do that. Of course. You could really want something <laughs> yeah, to do that. I had to sell probably like 10 or so really emotional Penny Hardaway cards. 100%. Yeah. And you probably got a bunch of money for them. But if you would, if I had asked you a week before you found out about that heritage of LeBron, hey, uh, a LeBron's going to pop up and you're probably going to want it and you're going to sell more cards than you've ever sold in your entire life in the shortest time period you could probably imagine. Are you going to do it? You're going to be like, no. It's, I mean, how would I be able to do that? Right. But I mean, man, motivation and, and desire right. kick in. and It's yeah. like, you know, you're, you're trying to outrun a lion, like trying to get that card. Yeah. So, so it's a lot of thought. A lot of thought. A lot of thought and a lot of, I mean, the biggest thing is desire. Yeah. Biggest thing is desire. Yeah. You really want the card. Yeah. So. And that's what I think... I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's what makes you so successful in your business, right? Is that you actually know the cards, you love the cards. It's not just, you're not just in it for money. Like you actually understand the market, you know what you like. So you're able to like understand the the market better and understand the values. People say it all the time, collect what you like. And if you're trying to invest, usually you lose. Yeah. It's not that you, you lose all the time, actually. It's not that usually you lose. It's just that when you start looking at it from an investor mindset, then you're probably going to be buying cards that are at the peak. Because you're buying, because you're, because you're, because you're listening to everybody say, what should, what should I buy? And there, and the herd is going to tell you what to buy. And it's usually like at the highest. Right. Like right now, Luka Doncic is supposedly the safest investment you can make. This is the highest. This is, he's so high right now. That's what I've heard people say. Right. I've heard people actually say. You're not doing that. Selectively. Yeah. I mean, there's still deals to be had on Luka Doncic cards. Yes. Hundred percent. You just got to know what you're looking for and know what it's worth. But you're and not know, going. You're not going to go pay top dollar on a PWCC auction if it's the right card. For like, if an RPA hit PWCC right now, nine five. Here's my thing on an RPA because RPA because the last one just sold for forty four k, right? It was a raw. It's a raw. Yeah. It was a raw in the platinum holder. Yeah. And it looked really clean on the pictures. So, so you could think you could buy that and flip it. Well, I mean, the person that bought it is going to try and gem it, right? Yeah. Well, it's a gem one right now. Last one sold for thirty-eight k in auction, so it's probably a fifty thousand dollar card at least. But based off that raw auction, we have no idea. Right. The thing is, we have no idea. Right. Like nobody knows. Everyone wants to say they know. Right. And the way that I have done pretty well is by when I think that I really know something, I stop and I say, "Wait a minute, <laughs> you don't know anything, buddy." <laughs> so you need to ask yourself right now, why do you know that? Right. 
And when you start looking at it like that and start thinking of, st- stop telling yourself that you know yeah. and start thinking about why you know. I mean, this is, it's investment principles 101. But it's like, everyone wants to say they know. Everyone wants to say they, they know this is going to be worth more. And everyone wants to say, there's no way it can be worth that. Yeah. Right? Like with Luka Doncic, everyone wants to put him in a box. Everyone wants to say, well, he's like Larry Bird. He's the next LeBron James. No, he's the first Luka Doncic. Yeah. Everyone wanted to say that about LeBron James when he came out. Yeah. And you look at LeBron James stuff, like, in his second year, an RPA was $10,000. How many $10,000 cards existed in 2004 or 2005? Not many. So to buy a kid in his second year for $10,000 back then, it's not a smart investment. Yeah. But it's like, it it paid off, obviously. But, but like, Luca's right now to the point where it's like, it's 50-50. You put that money in on a big card. Like, you are exposing yourself to get burnt. Yeah. But that's why it's, that's why I tell people if you're going to buy a Luka Donch, a big Luka Doncic card or a big anybody prospect card, because, and that's the thing, is Luka's not a prospect anymore. Luka is now a sure thing, right? Commodity to invest in. Right. But I tell people if you're going to buy a $10,000 Luka card, you better have at least a $100,000 collection. Yeah. Of, of stuff that, is like more stable, more stable, right. LeBron, MJ, anything like that. Right. Because you're not trying, you don't want to risk, you know, you, you can only risk what you can afford. And right. the people that did the best before the Luca boom, before the season, were the people that already had lots of money that have jobs that have high income earners, or they have a, a very high net wealth. And they're able to take the, take those calculated risks that they can afford. And everyone wants to look back and say, geez, I should have just bought a, uh, a Luca RPA for $8,000 before the season started. Why didn't I do that? Well, it's because it didn't make any sense. Right. And nobody saw this coming. Yeah. Every every smart person in the hobby said, this stuff won't go up, won't go up for two more years, if it even does. If anything, it'll go down. Yeah. It's and look what happened. It went 3x, 4x, 5x. Yeah. So how did you come into the Luca Gold? Uh, I came into the Luca Gold... Uh, it's a huge card. It's a huge card. There's only ten. There's only ten, and it's well. There's a, here's the thing: is how many Luca Golds out of ten are there in eighteen nineteen basketball? Uh, like other stuff. If you had to take a guess of how many Luca Golds out of ten, because there's there's a, every every set. I mean, even hoops has a Luca Gold out of ten. Right. Optic and all of them. Optic everything. I mean, mosaic. Optic and Prism are the big ones, but Mosaic. I mean, the, those are some of the nice ones. There's there's low end stuff. Right. That has Luca Golds in it. Yeah. So there isn't. I mean, a Luca Gold out of ten is not a rare thing. Right. The prism is. The prism is. Because it's the true RPA. True. Sorry, the true rookie, right? It's the true rookie, right? Yeah. So it's like. Look at. I always. I always say it. Uh, the red PMG, versus the championship PMG. Which one's rare? The championship. It's not as valuable though. Right. The Jordan Red is what worth like sixty or seventy. The championship is. 35 yeah half, about half there maybe so i mean like yeah you know it's i mean christopher mcgill said this and i quote him and it's brilliant is that iconic is greater than rarity yeah nine times out of ten yeah so the prism gold like to me that's the card who do you think told chris to buy the to go after the gold in the rpa are you the one that advised yeah. him on that yeah because he yeah. i mean he wanted to get into Luca, and he was kind of like spreading himself a little bit outward. Right. And I told him, Chris, what are you doing? Take all this stuff and just go get the two or three big ones, and you'll be way happier. And he got a bunch of flack on it, too. Yeah. I know he got a bunch of flack on well, it. Well, like the nine, and now he looks like a genius. 9.5 golden RPA and 
if, if you have two or three of this best stuff, you're gonna look like a genius. You're gonna look like you have this ultimate collection as opposed to having fifty. Because you can't have it all. You cannot well, possibly go this way, so you might as well just give up and just get the best ones. Right. And those, I mean, like, and from an investor standpoint, those best ones will appreciate higher exactly. than, I mean, look at the, look at the LeBron RPA. Yeah. Look at the LeBron SPX RPA. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not an RPA, it's not but five, it's, it's a Jersey Auto. Right. And it's, like, the, the, the price versus the rarity is way offset just right. because everyone wants the RPA. Everyone wants the RPA. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, uh, jeez, I don't know what rule it is, but it's that rule about 10%, basically, like. You know, ten percent will get ninety percent. Yeah, it's like exponential, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, how'd you get the gold, the Luca Gold Prism? I got the Luca Prism Gold because it was on eBay, and uh, I was able to find the seller, who is an amazing man. Uh, his name is Joe. Uh, he is from Fargo, North Dakota. A great collector, great man, first and foremost. Um, and I was able to talk to him. And directly buy it from him. This was before the boom. This was during the boom. <laughs> this was during the boom. So I paid a record price at the time for it. Okay. Um, I paid fifty percent over what the last sale was. Jeez. Yeah. But you're looking good now on it. I look pretty good now on it. So is that something I've always wondered? Uh, like from someone who has to run a business with cards, do you have to keep a few select high-end pieces to, to, you know, to all to like look like you have some sort of vast inventory? Are you like would you jump to sell your biggest, you know what I'm saying? For sure. I mean, so when I first, when I first uh, was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this, doing this, I was like, okay, well, I need a bankroll because I have buying problems. And yeah. so I have bad discipline with buying. We all do. It's so easy to buy. It's hard to sell. Yeah. So I was like, well, I need a bankroll. I need like money to like know that it's sitting there because I don't have like, you know, the biggest savings that makes me feel comfortable if I'm going to do this full time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to send my team at PMG Green to PWCC. And then a really, really uh, smart collector um, gave me some advice and was like, why would you do that? Uh, sell everything else first. That should be the last thing you sell. Yeah. And that philosophy has saved me so much in mm -hmm. this hobby because it is so easy to sell the TMAC PMG greens, the Jordan PMGs, the, the penny like rare stuff. It's easy to sell that. It's hard to sell everything else. Yeah. And if you can sell everything else and hold on to that stuff, you'll probably set yourself up and put yourself in a position to where you don't have to sell those things. Yeah. Um, but my my thing with having the card is, first of all, Luca Prism Gold. Okay, so Luca Prism in general. I mean, my entire collecting year in the past calendar year has been Luca Prism. Base, silver, color, everything. I saw this kid play in, you know, in his rookie year in November and December, and I was just so blown away. I was like, okay, I want to start getting his cards and stuff. And I just focused on Prism, only Prism. So I was buying his base up, buying his silvers up. I probably own like 75 copies of his silver over like the last year. Yeah. And I own like five or six now. Yeah. But um, I looked at that card and I was like, okay, I'm going to just buy a bunch of these and try and grade them and see how they do and stuff. Well, that card grades really well. There's what, 1,300 or 1,400 PSA 10s, yeah. you know, with gem mint PGS 9.5s, you're up past like 2,000. Yeah. How many copies of the card are there? 5,000? Yeah, they're really high gem rate. Yeah, yeah, high gem rate. Yeah. So once I figured that out, I was like, okay, I can start buying the cards and grading them myself by yeah. looking at them myself and then sending the PSA and start flipping them that way. Yeah. So I've been doing that all along, which has allowed me to buy cards that I just really wanted. So when I sold a bunch of those, I was like, okay, well, what's a card that I'm not supposed to have? 
Because I'm not. Like, yeah. honestly, like, a bartender should not be owning, in this hobby right now, a Luca Prism Gold. Yeah. Just shouldn't. And that, to me, is the peak. Yeah. It is, like, it is a card that we all agree right. is the best Luca card. Yeah. Non-auto. Yeah. Right? Totally. So I was like, I want that card. One popped up uh, and sold. One popped up October 29th, right? Yeah. Right as Luca came out in the beginning of the season, was balling out. Um, I made an offer on it. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a low ball, but it was about what the last one had sold for over summer. And the guy accepted, you know, an offer that was not that much higher. And, uh, and I saw that he accepted that and I was like, oh my gosh. And it was number seven out of 10. Yeah. I was like. The only one that can have his jersey on. Well, I mean, here's my thing is I think, I totally think Luke will go back to seven. That would be huge. He will. 77 is a little awkward. 77 is awkward, but he's only doing it because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Because Dwight Powell is 7. Well, look, man, it's the NBA. He'll be gone in a year. He'll be gone. <laughs> it might not be a year, but he'll be gone and eventually, just right. like Kobe Bryant. Okay, Kobe Bryant went to 24 because Kobe because Kobe Bryant's favorite number was 24. You know, I don't know why he didn't do 24 out of the game. They had a guy on the team. There's like a... Is there a guy on the team that had 24? I think so, yeah. Because oh, I've, I've seen one of his like, uh, his like one-on-one masterpiece cards and it's like a 24. I'm like, who's this guy? I think Kiki or somebody has that card. It's not Shea Seals. No, that's the... Uh, Grant has that one. Shea Seals? It might be him. It might be Grant. The Ultra Masterpiece? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. So Did that, he have 24? Yep. How about that? Yeah. And that's uh, that's why Grant bought it, I think, because it's 24. Ah, okay. That's OG cool. 24. So, yeah. So, it's, so, to your point, he might be 7 eventually. So, I mean, like, so I would say it's a good shot. Like, my if initial you're talking qu- about probabilities, go for it. My go. initial question was, that's a card you're holding then, right? Getting back to that. Okay, so... Here's the thing is, I've been told by a bunch of people I'm not very wise to, to flip it. I'm not I'm not being very prudent to just not flip it because I could probably get a lot more than what I paid for it. Yeah. And I don't doubt that. But I've been in this hobby for too long <laughs> and I know that I'm looking at the money I spent on that and I'm just saying I, it was never there. Yeah. And now I get to have the card. Because you used it from other money. that you I used, used it from other money. Yeah. And so I'm just pretending that that money is all... playing with house money. I'm playing with house money. Yeah. So I never want to sell the card. I, and my thing is, I'm not trying to hold it from people that want the card. Yeah, totally. I just like the card. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful card. And I, to my initial point, it's like uh, it's something that can kind of represent you and, and what you're doing, right? Hundred percent. You can have that at the forefront of what you're doing. Hundred percent. And the work it took to get that card. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna get like I had to beat out a lot of people to get that card. Right. And uh, and honestly, man, it's 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 a signpost for anybody else in the hobby that they can have a card like that too if totally. they have the desire to do it. The same with your art peel. Yeah, I mean that's. That was a big motivator for me was to show that, uh, you know, through my channel and some of the knowledge that I've gained that anyone can, can go and get these cards. You just have to put in the time. Absolutely. And have the desire to do it. Yep. 100%. But you've got a lot of good nuggets in here. I hope people are paying attention. One of the things you said that I really like is that you honed in on Lucas Silver Prism and Luca Prism Base. And you just said, I know the crap out of this card. I know how to grade it. There's a ton of them. So I'm just gonna maximize my time and just go all in on that one thing and just and just dominate it. Well, someone else on your show has said something about that. Like you should just get specific on like three or four cards, yeah. know them back and front. Yeah. And I've done that. I mean, ever since I was a kid with Tracy McGrady cards, I was going and selling Topps Chrome rookies and SP Authentic Future Watch. Yeah. Uh, to my card shop and stuff like that because I knew what they what they were and the hype on them and stuff like that. Right. And then, um, yeah, with the Luca Prism Silver, it was just the same thing. James Harden, I've done that with. Because James Harden, I, I can tell people right now, James Harden cards get hot during the middle of the season because he goes on some crazy tear. Yeah. And then he flames out in the playoffs. Right. His stuff goes, his tanks. Like cards, James Harden rookie cards that you've never even seen before. 
will be for sale in auction as soon as he gets bumped from the playoffs. It happened last year. Logo Man RPA, I mean, Logo Man yeah. Auto rookie cards yeah. went in auction. They didn't, they hadn't popped up for people years. People were like, I'm sick of this every people year. People were like, I'm done with this guy. I want to get what I can get. So that's when you get those. Yeah. You get them then. But it's like, you got to have big balls. You got to, you know, to like put money on the table for that because nobody wants it. And then mid season next year when he's scoring 50 points, six games in a row. <laughs> Sell it. Yeah. I mean, like you can, I mean, same thing with Topps Chrome LeBron James rookie cards. If you just study that market, you yeah. can literally make a living off of buying and selling those. Yeah. So with Luca Prism Silvers, I did that because it was just an easy opportunity and because the cards were new coming out of packs. Yeah. So you're not dealing with all the old, raw LeBron James Topps Chrome rookie cards that there's got to be something wrong with it. Yeah, totally. You're getting fresh cards. So yeah, I did that. And uh, yeah, just study it, you know, because this, so Zion Silvers can be the same thing. But they're going to be like the new uh, the new Ben Simmons silvers that were dormant for a year and selling at like you know so so prices. He didn't play. As soon as he plays, man, those are gonna they're gonna shoot up in value. It's just what's gonna be what's the market going to go down to on those? You can try to buy the bottom. Why not buy yeah. a couple of them? Sure, but I mean Luca. But Luke, but that's the thing is, I studied the Luca market because I like watching Luca. Yeah. I study the James Harden market because I'm an ASU guy and I like watching James Harden. I know yeah. people can't stand him. I get it. <laughs> I, I know with them. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 So you got to see him play ASU. I played pickup games with him. Wow. Yeah, he's he's a lot better than you think. Oh, he's great. Like, you see guys in the NBA, and you're like, when they, you know, relative to each other, you may not think, but when you play those guys in pickup, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. They're dunking on everybody, every, right. like, in-game, just, like, down the lane, like, Ugh. It's so easy for them. Yeah, and they yeah. pull up threes from half court. It's like, what the f- Right. Yeah. And he's a big, strong guy, he's huge. too. He's yeah. huge. He's a tank, man. But yeah, I just like watching him play, like him, like Luca. So with Zion, it's tough because it's like you don't get to see him play. Yeah, well, so that's, that's when you buy, right? True, one hundred percent true. Yeah. But again, everyone's in Zion right now for an investment yeah. purpose. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people like Zion, but it's an investor because he's supposed to be what he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed to be right. Yeah, what he's supposed to be, right? So we'll see. Well, uh, people always like message me like, "What what card should I be buying?" And it's such a weird que- like when they're trying to make money or they're trying to flip. And it's such a weird question because I'm like, "Well, what cards do you know? You know, like what what do you what knowledge do you have existing? What what are you spending your time on? What players do you like? Right. And start honing in on that and helping them from there. But you can't just come in and say, "Well, I could just tell you to buy LeBron and Jordan, and you'd probably do well." But which ones, right? Do they know which ones to go buy? Do they know the market? Do they know when to buy? Do they know the timing? Like, there's all these different factors that you can't just jump in and do cards full time, right? No, no. I mean, it's got to be a side hustle. I mean, like, cards for me has, has always been a side hustle ever since I was 10 years old, but it was always a small one that grew into this. Yeah. And even still, I don't feel comfortable doing <laughs> it. Like, I don't. like. But I looked at it as this is a golden opportunity to be able to have freedom for myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are stressors to it and stuff, but I would. there's nothing else I'd rather be doing because it's just fun. Yeah, totally. So, but that's a weird question. That's a weird question to get. A weird question... Is also when they show you a picture of a card and like, do you think I should buy this? Like, why? Well, I need, I need much more information. Than well, well, that's my thing. Is people will come to you and come to people like you, and they'll ask you questions like that. You can't be wrong. Like that, yeah. that that you have all the information. Right. And that's when I go back to the philosophy: you don't know anything. Right. I don't know anything. <laughs> the only right. thing I know for sure is that I don't know anything. Right. Right. And so, like, you get a little like, geez, like what? What am I supposed to say? I'm, I'm going to give you my advice, but then I'm going to feel bad if I'm wrong. Right. You know, because I don't want you to like right. buy something you don't want or lose money or something like that. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that kind of stuff now that you're in it a lot more? I mean, I get it from 
I get it from friends and family and stuff like that, and I'm happy to help out. Um, but again, it's just, I always ask. Every time someone sends me that, they say, should I buy the card? I'm like, why do you want it? <laughs> yeah. Why do you want it? Do you want to just look at it? Do you want to sell? Because that's going to be based on, that's going to you know factor into your decision. Right. And then, okay, you want to sell. Okay, well, what's it worth? Right. I don't know what it's worth. You tell me. It's your card, the card that you're interested in. You know? Right. And so, that's, I mean, that's what made you get the, that's what I think led you to get the Luca Gold is you actually wanted it, right? I won. Yeah. I won. I've, I've, so Luca Golds have popped up all throughout the year and I've, I've inquired on all of them. Um, but I just thought that prices were high at the time and they weren't <laughs> compared to now they weren't. But I, I saw those. So the, the Luca boom, brought two Luca Prism Golds out of the market yeah. or out of collections or whatnot. And I saw those two and I said, those are probably going to be the only two that get flushed out. Because now that they're so high, another one might get flushed out, but I won't even be in the league to get it. Right. So when I saw those two get flushed out, I was like, this is my only shot. Yeah. I need to do everything possible to try and get this card. Because yeah. if I don't, Sayonara, I'll never get a shot. Right. That's exactly what happened with the RPA. Exactly. Two came out. It's like two. The last sale was like 2015. Right. right? That one that was sitting on eBay at 250 grand, they got hit. But other than that, there's been no sales. So it's like. Not on eBay. No. Because Chris and I talk about this. There's like, when the market goes up, you'll see a couple pop out, right? A couple pop out that want to cash in, and then everyone else pulls in tighter. Because they're like, oh, this card's going up. Why would I sell when I see that's going up? They're just going to pull it in even tighter. Right, because they see that it's going up and they think it's going to go up more. And when those two get flushed out, they get pulled in to someone real tight. Exactly. They get locked in further. That's the thing. Yeah. With Luca stuff right now, I mean, most of the Luca stuff is locked away. Yeah. We're not going to see anything. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So, like, these Luca Prism goals, like, that, you know, there ain't no shot at those. National Treasures, I say this, and and I'm already seeing it happening. For the National Treasures, we'll see those, but we'll see the garbage patches. Yeah. Those are going to get thrown around like chew toys yeah. by flippers and investors trying to buy them and flip them. And I've already been seeing it happening. Yeah. And the ones with really nice patches and really nice condition are getting locked away. Yeah. What about, is the NT uh, logo man been pulled yet? For Luca, NT, no. It hasn't been pulled? Nor has the black one of one that we know of. So those are both sitting in boxes, potentially? Or, yeah. in, or in Asia? It's just hard to imagine that those cards have been pulled and not, and that, and not shown off. Yeah. So the, the black tray has been pulled and that's in Alaska, I believe. And I found a picture of it and I was like, wow, like I didn't even know it's been pulled. So the guy clearly wasn't showing it off that much, but he had no followers on his Instagram account either. But you would think that, I mean, word travels too fast in this hobby Yeah. for a Luca Prism. It's too much money. There's too much money. Word travels too fast. Yeah. And you can make one post and get people... Just crushing you with messages. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So the flawless has, um, I talked to another really great collector, really great Kobe collector in LA, um, named Mike. And <laughs> we talked about the Luca prison black and the Luca NT, uh, logo man. logo man. And it's really funny because he thinks that, uh, well, I don't want to write him out or anything, by it, but he kind of thinks that like there's more at play. Then they haven't been pulled. Like there's some sort of like okay. manipulation going on, Conspiracy. which I find is yeah, which I find is to so keep the box values up. keep the box values up yeah, yeah which I find is so fascinating because yeah. it's so true. But I mean, we're not seeing that totally with the with the prism this year. I mean, the, the Zion got pulled and yeah. stuff hasn't gone up a ton. But who knows? I mean, you gotta think just knowing that uh, Logo Man's still out there. The box values have gotta be 
way higher because of that. Because just think, one box is all it takes, and one hit, and yeah, it's a huge, it's, it's just gambling, right? One hundred percent. And it's just the idea that it could be pulled. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I opened up a a ninety seven hoops series two box for Christmas. I mean, the fact that I know that there is five hundred hoops high voltage yeah. Jordans, like I could pull one. Yeah. So let's wrap up. What else? Anything else on your mind? Any any other hobby things? Any hobby stories or? What's your favorite part of the hobby right now? Oh, the community, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, all you guys are, like, friends now. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I have all my friends and everything like that from my other social circles, but the, the deeper you get into the hobby means the deeper connections you're making with human beings who then become your friends. Yeah. And, I mean, it is absolutely, there's so many sharks out there. Mm -hmm. So many sharks. Um, but the fact that you can become friends with them and you never probably fully trust them because they're a shark because the nature of a shark is to take a bite out of you. But, um, there can be like this mutual respect to where you help each other out. And that's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. We've got our own little, like a uh, Kevin Bacon game going with Brendan and Chris, you and me, like we have our own little like circles going and, a hundred percent shared circles. Oh, stuff. absolutely. I mean, it's, it, there's, we're all so close and we don't even know it yeah. based off of mutual acquaintances and, and everything like that. Yeah. Brendan lives in Venice and like lives close to me and stuff. Yeah. And I've got to hang out with him and, and see some of his stuff. And he's just such a wonderful collector, yeah. such an incredible pure collector. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the coolest things too, is finding those pure collectors. Cause I'm not a pure collector. Yeah. I value the, the financial money aspect of it too much. Yeah. There are people that literally, um, they don't come from a lot of money and they aren't rich and they just love it for the cardboard. Right. And when I run into those people, that is a really, really cool thing. Yeah. Because I see part of me inside of them, you know, like part of me, like that's a true collector and stuff, but like, they're just so nerdy about it. And I yeah. love it. I yeah. love it. I yeah. love it. Well, I like that you're, uh, humble enough to say like i'm not just like a pure collector i, I do i have other aspects because some people try to play that game of like oh, i am a pure collector and then they're flipping and selling stuff all the time like you might as well just be open about it right it's hard because you don't because like flipping and selling has like a, a weird negative negative connotation to yeah it. so it's like i totally understand that yeah and everybody including me you know we try to keep some of our flipping like private right. and and not like thrown out there because of the negative connotation to yeah. it um, but again, like if you could flip something and turn it into something that you never would have been able to have before because of your income level yeah, or because of your net wealth level, like why not do it? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, it's just jealousy, man. It's jealousy and greed. It's just jealousy, jealousy and greed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's human nature. It's human nature. It's human nature. So, you know, you gotta just, I think the biggest thing is just not caring what anybody thinks. Yeah. Just not caring what anybody thinks and, 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 you know, respecting everybody and cause we don't, have, cause nobody has to like each other. Yeah. But if you were, if you can respect people and like at least be truthful about some of your motives and stuff like that, because that's the thing is like, if someone's telling me they're going to flip something, see, here's what I don't like. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have someone who's buying a card off of you and says like, cool, man, I can't wait to go flip this. Cause that would make you be like, Ugh. What? Right. Jeez, that's kind of mean. Or would you rather have someone come up to you and be like, thank you so much for this. I've been looking for this car for so long. I'm never going to sell it. And then two days later, it comes up on eBay. Uh, Which one would you rather have? 
neither of those. Right, but like you'd rather have the person that's at least honest about right, it and telling yeah. you like, yeah, I'm going to go flip it. Right. Because it's just it's just Well, because if I, if I know what they're going to do with it, they're going to flip it, but, you know, every situation is different where maybe I need that money today, right? So it makes sense for both of us where he's going to make a little money flipping it a couple days later. I'm going to make the money I need today. So in some cases, it does make sense. A hundred percent. But then it comes into the, it comes to like, so it gets all murky because we start telling white lies and stuff because it's bargaining chips. Yeah. To get to the best lower price, yeah, hundred percent. If you tell, if you say you're a true collector and you really need the card, you know, like I've had people come up to me for my prism gold and they say, "I need you to sell me that prism gold because I'm trying to complete the rainbow." (laughs) They're not trying to complete the rainbow; they just want the card. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate you coming over. This is great. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Second in-person interview, first at my house. Very cool. The return. The return of the show. I'm back. Beautiful. It's going to be awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yep.